0: Welcome to another edition of the Duan Marrero podcast. I'm your host, Duan Marrero. Joining me this week is someone who I've known for a very long time. She is very inspiring. She's the first African-American woman to be elected mayor in the state of Indiana and the first woman to become mayor in the city of Gary. She has achieved numerous of milestones and continues to this day and has received recognition for her work nationwide. I'm very honored to have you on the podcast this week, Mayor Karen Freeman-Wilson, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, Duane? It's great to have you here and to um, be on your podcast. I've heard a lot about it. It's uh, reaching a lot of people, and I'm honored to be one of your guests.
0: I appreciate you, uh, Ms. Wilson. We was having a conversation beforehand, if I call you Mayor Karen Freeman Wilson or Ms. Wilson, because I've known you since Banneker Elementary School.
1: Absolutely, I still remember when they had to go to the fifth grade classroom to get you a desk for second grade, so. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely, I remember, um, shout out to uh, Sarah H. Givens, she was our principal. Um, She taught me a lot to get ready for middle school. And it brings back a lot of memories right now talking to you.
1: Absolutely. And uh, please give your mother my regards uh, because, you know, I have known you all your life and are just about and uh, remember uh, meeting her very early and, and watching all of you grow, all of the uh, folks that went to Banneker with you all and then uh, to Bowman, to West Side, to all of the schools.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate it. Well, you know, for those who don't know about you, Miss Wilson, can you tell the people about you?
1: Well, I was born and raised in Gary, Indiana. And uh, as a Gary native, I went to Banneker. I went to Tolliston as a middle school and then graduated from Roosevelt. After graduating from Roosevelt, I went to Harvard College in Cambridge, Massachusetts and Harvard Law School. I started my career in Crown Point in the Lake County Prosecutor's Office. And so I made a decision when I left Harvard to move back home. In fact, it was something that I wanted to do from the time that I went to Harvard. When I moved back home, I started as a deputy prosecutor in Crown Point prosecuting uh, criminal cases. After I left the prosecutor's office, I actually started my own law practice and it was a practice that I had for about 25 years uh, from 1988 um, or 89 until taking office in 2012. So I actually almost 30 years. And in doing that, I was able to serve a variety of people as a defense lawyer. I also uh, represented governmental entities, corporations, all kinds of places. But um, in between doing that, I also went to lead the Indiana Civil Rights Commission in Indianapolis, Indiana. And that's the organization that prosecutes or addresses discrimination on the base of race, sex, Uh, national origin, disability, and in addition to that, uh, we promoted equal employment opportunities, fair housing, fair public accommodations, uh, a variety of um, ways to not discriminate. After doing that, I became the judge of the Gary City Court. It was an elected position. I was appointed initially and then elected twice as the municipal judge. And one of the things that we're most proud of is that we initiated one of the first drug treatment courts in the state of Indiana, and it continues to this day. And the theory was that underlying most criminal activity is a form of addiction to alcohol or some other drug. So we actually um, addressed that in the Gary City Court. And I'm proud to say that Judge Deidre Munro is still implementing that program, but they also have a program uh, that is addressed to truancy, and uh, Judge Pro Tem, Inga Lewis Shannon, leads that program. After leaving uh, the court, I became the Attorney General for the State of Indiana I did that for just uh, a year, and um, after not being successful in that election, I ended up working in Washington as the director of the National Association of Drug Court Professionals. After leaving the drug court organization, I came back and practiced uh, in private practice full-time, and I did that until I closed my practice in the uh at the end of twenty eleven I became mayor of Gary on January first, twenty twelve, and that's where I've don um really uh devoted most of my time, uh all of my professional time, but most of my waking hours really. But um you know I will say that even when I worked in Washington and DC, I always maintained uh, my home here in Gary because I wanted stability for my family, uh, particularly my daughter who was growing up. And while she did travel with me um, when she was not in school, sometimes when she was, um, it still provided a stable environment because we had our house here.
0: I appreciate that because as you was going, I was learning so much. Uh, Which high school did you go to?
1: I went to Roosevelt uh, and uh, it was during an era when there was incredible pride in the school, incredible pride in its graduates. You know, we had some phenomenal graduates from Roosevelt, uh, people like Dr. Dick Burnett, who was an NBA uh, star, an NBAR star, but also a noted PhD, Dr. Bernard Watson, who became a very noted educator in the city of Philadelphia. Pennsylvania um you know we just had all kinds of Monte Harris who is a doctor in Washington DC a plastic surgeon in fact so we have all kinds of graduates from Roosevelt uh, many of whom are in the city uh, a number of whom are outside of the city but all of whom uh, give back Uh, Reggie Colby is one of our recent graduates, uh, not recent in terms of he graduated in uh, 85 or 86, I believe, but he was just back in the city doing a financial um, planning uh, event for adults and children, a financial literacy event for adults and children along with junior, Junior Achievement. So I think it's important to note that those of us who live in the city are uh, contributing members of the community, but those who don't live in the city also find ways to uh, contribute. And that's been something that we've tried to do from um, our administration, really encourage expatriates to come back to the city of Gary, to uh, really sew into the community in whatever way that they can. Sometimes it's a short-term fix. I had a guy come from, um, San Antonio who actually did a customer service seminar for city workers. And that was really helpful. He's a professor that teaches marketing down in uh, San Antonio. And so he said, Hey, I'd like to come, I'd like to give back. And, And that was what we came up with.
0: Oh, nice. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Wilson. I want to transition You went to Roosevelt, and then you went to Harvard. How how was that process? Because I don't know many people from Gary who goes from Roosevelt to Harvard.
1: Well, you know, actually, there were a number of us, uh, either from Gary or from Roosevelt. One was Daryl McCullough. He uh, went to Harvard probably a couple of decades before me. At least, well, no, not a couple, probably one decade. But there are others. But it was, you know, I would be lying if I said it was not a culture shock. I mean, to go from a city at that time in 1978, that was uh, probably 80% African-American to go to uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, which at that time, even if you included the students on campus may have been 10% African-American. You know, I was just looking around trying to figure it out. And the interesting thing was that I had five roommates, none of whom I knew. It was um, a uh, dorm where the top floor had very high ceilings. So they felt that it was okay to kind of stack us in there. And so we had two, we had four rooms and two with bunk beds. So that meant that six of us lived in this place. And, um, And then we also, uh, interesting story, I lived also in the same dorm, uh, different entryway, where Courtney Vance uh, from The Preacher's Wife and Law and Order lived. And so we were friends in college. And um, But, you know, going there and having a roommate who uh, rode crew, and when she sent me a letter prior to us getting to school our freshman year, I had to go and look it up in the dictionary. I'm like crew, I asked my mother, I'm like "Ma, what's crew? She's like, I don't know, look it up. And uh, looked it up, but I was like, okay, this is a sport in a boat. And I was like, well, yeah, I I was on the basketball team. So I think I'm gonna try out for the basketball team again. And she was like, okay, so we were cool, we were cool.
0: What uh, what other options did you have?
1: Um, Well, I had gotten into Yale, I had gotten into MIT. I had actually chosen to go to General Motors Institute, which is now Kettering, and it's a co-op program. I started in the work part of it, and I lasted three days. On the third day, I said to my mother, I said, I don't think this engineering is going to work out. Uh, Could you see if I can still come to Notre Dame? Because I had gotten into Notre Dame. I loved it there. I had spent a couple of weeks during the summer there, and and it was close enough to home that I felt secure. And she called them, and they said they don't have any housing. And I said, well, call Harvard. You know, because I had been to the campus on a tour, and, you know, it was okay. It was a little far away for me. But um, they said, sure, you can come And it turns out that there was this attorney in Hammond, his name was Harlan Noel. He had interviewed me for uh, my application and he was the one that really went to bat for me. And so the interesting thing was that because I had left, I had started something and had not finished, my father was furious. You know, my mother facilitated the process, but my father was like, I don't care if you didn't get to the school. You started something, you didn't finish it. I'm really disappointed. And you know, there was a lot of quiet air around us for at least two or three months. He was like, I didn't care. I don't care if you're going to Harvard. I mean, you know. So I, when I went there, I was miserable. I was so homesick. I was like, you know, this is not what I thought it would be. I felt like I was on an island, but the fact that I had already disappointed him and done something that, you know, he always taught never to do, I was gonna stick it out. So it, it you know, it, it was providential, I think, that I was able to start at GMI, not complete, not even start, really. I mean, you know, I lasted two days on that job. It was at a foundry in Bedford, Indiana, 110 degrees inside. And it was July. I mean, I was 18 and I'm thinking, and then I went to work. I had a book and they were like, no, you can't read the book here. I'm like, well, what kind of job is this? So, I mean, all of that happened for a reason. I think it was in God's timing. The, even the Notre Dame piece, that I couldn't go there because I ended up at Harvard and you know became the joke of the Harvard Club of Chicago. They were like, who has Harvard as a third choice, right? right, right? right, right. But uh, it, it worked out.
0: Now I, um, go back culture shock. When I graduated, I went to DePaul University uh, from Gary. And then I go there, I'm on the north side of Lincoln Park. It was just a definitely a culture shock, so I could definitely relate. And when you said island, uh, once I stood two years at DePaul, I went to Chipola, Um, uh, it was a Juco in Florida, in Mariana, Florida, which is like 45 minutes from Tallahassee. And I felt like I was on an island, at least probably 10,000 people, very old school. So I could relate because I was from Gary. I met a lot of great people, but I just felt like I was on an island. Um, So yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, Ms. Wilson. Moving forward, we going to 2012 before we get to 2019 and um, that's when you got elected as mayor and we won a state championship how did you feel uh, you know shout out uh, rest in peace marvin um played a big big role in my life and the only reason i brought it up because you talked about when you got elected in 2012 and we won state um no i'm sorry we lost state but how did you feel knowing that you had a team going down state?
1: it was a great feeling and um you know it was just an honor and you are right uh, you know we talked talked about uh famous and notable people who went to roosevelt marvin ray certainly is uh at, towards the top of that list um not just because he was a star athlete but he was a student athlete um a, an excellent student he brought his work ethic his uh, academic Uh, ethic to Thea Bowman as a coach and so when he reached out to me uh, when you all did win and said hey you know I need you to support this team I still have my ring and uh, you know it just meant a lot to have a group of not only athletically talented young men but well uh, groomed Uh, Great representatives of our community to go down to other places, uh, Indianapolis, Chicago, all of the places that you all played to represent Gary in such a way that people would say, hey, there's some great things going on in Gary. There's some great people who are representing Gary? So I, I was very proud and very encouraged. And you know, I, I have to say the same thing happened with the West Side Track Team uh, when they went in one state and and came back. And and ironically, two of those uh, young men are now in the draft, in the NFL draft this year. Um,
0: Ms. Wilson, you came to Marvin's uh, ceremony. The Bowman family really appreciate it because we saw you there and it was a big tribute to have him at the Genesis Center. Uh, I know know, like the the famous rapper who passed away was the Nipsey Hussle and um, that was like our Marvin Ray and and that's how we looked at it so the Bowman family really appreciate that. You know, let's move forward, you know, go to the current times. We talked about the past. How do you feel with this upcoming election?
1: Well, you know, uh, one of the things that I understand is that, um, you know, a lot of times when you get in an election season, people point to the things that have not been done. And that's normal. But I like to um, acknowledge those things, certainly, and say, okay, we've got a plan to deal with those things. And, you know, uh, some of those challenges are the financial challenges that we've had as a community, Uh, some of the things uh, around how our community appears. And a lot of times when I have an opportunity to walk people through our experience, the fact that over the course of eight years, there were $35 million that we would have received had there not been property tax caps. That's over $250 million. Just think about what you could do with that in terms of fixing the streets and tearing down buildings and adding to the development in the city. But what I say to people is notwithstanding the fact that we were uh, denied $250 million as a result of property tax caps, look at what we've done. We've torn down the Sheridan. We've torn down Delaney. West. We've torn down Concord. We've torn down over 1,200 single-family and, you know, multifamily homes. We've also paved in excess of $30 million in streets. We've got a new Amazon delivery station here. We have uh, record investment by small businesses, tequila and taco, all pet, um, you know, Jay's Breakfast Club. Uh, we've got TMB2, Belian Steel. So we've gotten over $2 billion in investment in the city. And why that's significant is one, it creates jobs. We've seen over 3,000 jobs be created in the city. But more importantly, it adds to our tax base. We lost tax dollars, we have to gain them back. And that's the only way that you can add people on the police force, add people in general services, do the things that we all know need to be done is to increase our tax base. That's what we're doing. And, you know, what I remind folks is that we have spent the last year. Years, eight years, really assessing the issue and also doing some implementation. You know, I talked about those things that we implemented. For instance, the building um, that you see on the IUN campus on Broadway. That was because we went down to the Indiana General Assembly and said, hey, you've appropriated this money, but I don't see any building going on, what's what's up? And they said, well, you know, we want to make sure that the city is going to be a partner. And so there was there were some things that we had to do to demonstrate our partnership, but because that building went up on Broadway, we were able to market the Glen Park area that we now call University Park. The work that we're now doing on Lake Street is a result of our partnership with the RDA and the Northwest Indiana Commuter Transit District, NICTI. Um, And what you'll see is not only will Lake Street re- be redone, but you will also see a lakefront development that will include a hotel. People talk about how beautiful Marquette Park is And they talk about going to the park and all of the things that go on at the park. But um, a lot of times people want to stay after the wedding. They don't want to drive home or don't want to go somewhere else. And there's no hotel in Milton. So now you'll have a lakefront, not just a hotel, but you'll have a lakefront hotel that will be a great companion to Marquette Park and the events that go on there. But will also... um, help us to label Miller Beach because we believe that um, a lot of folks don't know about the beach in Miller and it is by far one of the best beaches on Lake Michigan and you know that's a big lake to Michigan to Illinois to Indiana you know up towards Canada but we're saying that we've got the best and we want people to know about it.
0: No absolutely I think after you saying that people are going to definitely get a different perspective on what the future is to come to Gary. Um, as well as how has Gary shaped you to be the person you are today?
1: Well, I, when I think about how Gary has shaped me to be the person, the first thing is that we are all a product of, of the different mentors, teachers, uh, influencers in our lives. And certainly my parents uh, were a great influence. Uh, My father's deceased now, Travis Freeman, and my mother's still living, but they were always drivers uh, to uh, say that from an academic standpoint, from a moral standpoint, that I needed to be the best that I could be. And so they were always adamant about that. But in addition to my parents, I had teachers both at school and at Sunday school who were um, you know like parents to me, who were insistent that my diction be what it should be, who were insistent that my behavior be, you know, I was an only child, I was spoiled, but they were like, you know, we're not having any of that. You know, you might be an only child, but we're gonna treat you um, like you have a lot of siblings. So you need to behave like you do. And then um, folks in my family, Church community. I grew up and still am a member of Israel CME Church and other aspects of the community, whether it was the NAACP, the Urban League. My mother was active in a lot of organizations very early on in my life. I had an opportunity to meet Mayor Richard Gordon Hatcher. That had a tremendous impact. In fact, he and I still laugh because he tried to convince me not to go to GMI in the first place. He tried to say, you know, you you got into Harvard. You should be going to Harvard. And I was like, no, but I want to get a, a car at a discount, you know, because if you went to GM or worked for GM, you could get a discount car. And, you know, priorities all in the wrong place. But, um, you know, so to the extent that there were mentors and teachers Gary had a tremendous influence. And then to the extent that, you know, inevitably, if you're in, a, in the public office, if you in, are in public life, and I have been most of my career, whether it's as a judge, as an attorney, as a mayor, um, people are critical. And so you have to develop thick skin. Now, you know, there are not too many times that I'm going to be called out of my name. But, you know, to the extent that people uh, tend to point out things that you're not doing or haven't done. And, you know, what I always remember is there is frustration that I feel. And so I don't uh, argue or ignore the frustration that people feel simply because um, I understand how I always want to go faster, get more done get it done quicker. And what I always say is, um, this is not a business for the faint at heart. This is not a role for the faint at heart. You have to be able to take both constructive criticism and criticism that is a little bit less constructive. And so Gary has shaped me in that way. And then to see some of our legacy residents who are so committed to this community. I had a conversation with a lady yesterday who said, I stayed, I could have moved anywhere, but I chose to stay. To want to honor that, that um, really gives me a real sense of responsibility.
0: I appreciate you sharing that. I think that's an example of what you said of constructive criticism. Because in my field, you know, though I am a pro, I have to take constructive criticism if I want to be my best, along with what you're doing. And um, I did talk to the residents, you know, because I'm in the community, because I play basketball. And when I was talking to them, I wanted to hear different people's opinions. And they were like, okay, we see Hammond Doing something, we see East Chicago um, doing things, but they don't see Gary doing things. So, what would be, you know, your response to that?
1: So, I would refer them to University Park, the area around IU. That's Gary doing things. Uh, in fact, that's Gary doing something very significant. If you look at the infrastructure that we've built around Indiana University in terms of Broadway, the lighting the new wayfinding, if you will, I would point them to the lakefront. And uh, Lake Street looks a totally different way in terms of not only the uh, work that we're doing to the sewers and the streets, but also to the businesses that are now on Lake Street. You can spend a whole Saturday morning, in fact, I did the day after Thanksgiving, um, on Lake Street just shopping and looking and eating and you know, uh, enjoying local businesses, which is also extremely important. You go to the uh, lakefront and you see the prospect of development going on. Gary had its first marathon in Marquette Park. Now that's pretty significant. You know, it was, um, around October. So it had a Halloween theme. And then you look at, um, the work that is going on downtown. We've got a one million dollar Bloomberg, uh, a successful Bloomberg art project and art house. Yeah, but it that. also doubles as a culinary incubator and a um, a training for uh, not just culinary incubator, but a business incubator. So those are all significant things that are happening in Gary. And, you know, I I look at. The progress that is being made in East Chicago and Hammond and certainly commend them on that. Um, I would simply say that while we're not getting as far as fast, we have a lot more area to cover. We're probably three times as big as Hammond and probably four to five times uh, bigger than East Chicago. But, and, you know, they have a much more diverse tax base than we do. Um, we were devastated by property tax caps, probably one of the mo- cities most devastated in the state. That's not an excuse. That's just saying that we had a lot more to recover from.
0: Uh, and that's, and that's the main reason for the podcast. And, and that's why I'm glad you were to able to explain and give a open perspective to their mind. Another uh, questions they had was the education. You know, they see a lot of schools um, closing youth centers. They feel that needs to be open. Um, I'm open minded. And that's why I wanted to share, you know, their thoughts with you on what's your take on the upcoming education for Gary?
1: I think we have to have an overall in our educational structure. You know, I think that a lot of people thought that charter schools were the answer and certainly Bowman has been a successful charter school, but um, it has struggled as have traditional public schools. And so I think we need to really rethink education in the city of Gary, um, because there's no magic wand. I think what we really have to recognize is that you came to school ready to learn. I came to school ready to learn because my mother prepared me to learn. She didn't tolerate arguing with teachers. She wasn't going to come and, you know, immediately take my side. Your mother wasn't going to come and immediately take your side of anything. She was going to come and whoop you in front of the class. Yeah, a shout out to your mom for sure. But, um, you know, so we have to look at how young people come to school, how they leave school, What do we need to do to supplement either the support that they're getting to help the parents? And I'm not even saying that parents don't want their children to learn or don't want to equip them to learn. But what I am saying is if you've got to worry about putting a roof over someone's head, feeding them, clothing them, if you're working a 12 to 15 hour day, the last thing you want to come home and see is homework. You know, I, I I know I felt that way, and I was fortunate because Jordan's father was a big homework person. But if she had to count on me for the homework, there were some days that homework might have not have gone, right. might have gone undone. And so we have to determine how do we help parents, how do we support them in their efforts to educate kids. How do we have uh, highly motivated educators? And I, I know many of our educators in our system, the Gary Community School Corporation and other places where we have education are highly motivated, but you know, what if they aren't? How do we help them to do something else in the school system that will still lead to a quality education? And how do we demand the best from our students? My experience is if students know what our expectations are they will break their necks to meet them.
0: Absolutely. And the last one, the youth center. I talked to a lot of moms and dads who have kids and their concern was does Gary have any youth centers or like boys and girls club, something a program like the YMCA.
1: Absolutely. We have the Premier Boys and Girls Club in the in the county, actually between two counties. It's at the Tollison School. It's centrally located on 19th and Ellsworth, and it is a beautiful facility. In fact, I was there last week for Boys and Girls Club week. We had a celebrity basketball game. In fact, I should have had you on our team where we ran up and down the uh, court. Uh, I ran a few times too many, but um, it was a great experience. And it was a great opportunity to take a message to young people there. Don't be a bully, be a star. There are about 300 young people who are enrolled at the Boys and Girls Club. There's an after-school program at the YWCA in Gary. And then our Youth Services Bureau, the city, uh, has after-school programming at Brunswick and at um, a couple of other park pavilions throughout the city. Um, There's always an opportunity to do more because as a parent, you really want your kid to be able to walk to the facility. But the good news about the Boys and Girls Club is that they provide bus transportation from most of the schools to the club.
0: I appreciate that. Like I said, having an open mind, allowing me to ask you these questions. I really appreciate it. Um, Wrapping it up because I know you have a busy day. I follow you on Twitter. So, I know that where you got to be at. Um, you brought Obama to the city of Gary. I don't think a lot of people know that. Um, you shook his hand. I think this is probably the closest I'm going to get to Obama. You know what I mean? You you shook his hand. Can you talk about your relationship you have with Obama and what it meant to, you know, just having him here in Gary?
1: Well, you know, um, so my relationship with President Obama actually goes back to his time as a state senator in my time as Attorney General. He supported me in a fundraiser over in Chicago, and that was back in 2000. That was the Harvard connection. He went to Harvard Law School, I went to Harvard Law School. Even though we weren't there at the same time, uh, we had friends in common. Uh, One of those is Ron Sullivan, a professor, who's currently uh, at Harvard Law School. Uh, And so when you fast forward to his time as the president, our um, conference, the U.S. Conference of Mayors, as well as the National League of Cities, were frequently in the White House. In fact, I have a picture in my office where our leadership took pictures with him in the White House. We were there. I went to the concert in the White House in the East Wing where uh, Aretha Franklin, Jill Scott, Janelle Monae, Melissa Manchester, and when I say Aretha, you know, Aretha Franklin, Patti LaBelle, when I say that was fire, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, that still. So, um, it's that, and we were the, uh, a part of the Obama White House's Strong Cities, Strong Communities uh, Coalition, in the city of Gary. And so to fast forward to November of 18, I had um, been working for Senator Donnelly and I said, you know, we really need the president over here. President Obama, became uh, packed out the Genesis Center. Uh, there were easily 7,000 people in there. And, um, you know, the still pictures of folks down, you know, waiting in the rain down the street because of course it rained that day. Oh, but uh, Mr. Wilson got a picture with Victor Aladipo. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, he was, I was like, who's that? Yeah. You know, because I'm not as up on NBA yeah. players as yeah. I used to UCM be. Guy, yeah. yeah, but, um, you know, it was a, a tremendous opportunity to have the president in our city just last Saturday, Bernie Sanders, right. one of the 2020 candidates was there. Uh, I'm friends with uh, uh, Mayor Pete. I'm friends with Cory Booker, uh, know Joe Biden really well, and it's my expectation that all or many of the 2020 candidates will come through Gary because they understand that it is cities like Gary that they need to implement policies around that will really assist us as we work to bring our communities back. Uh,
0: There you have it, Uh, Ms. Wilson, and covered everything. I appreciate you, Ms. Wilson, hopping on the podcast. I know it was short notice, but you took the time out and sat down with me in your office. I'm honored.
1: I'm absolutely honored, Dewan, and and I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing, both on the court and off the court, because you are not only an inspiration to the young people who look up to you and who see you uh, making moves, doing your thing, but you're an inspiration to adults as well to know that the, here is a young man who is a professional athlete who does not count it um, beneath him to come back to the community, to encourage young people, to spend time with them to uh really sew in a into a community that is sewn into you so uh, congratulations on your success congratulations on the podcast i think it's really cool i listen to podcasts all the time and it's really an honor for me to be on a podcast from someone in my hometown
0: it's a, it's a pleasure like i said everything was in god's timing um, i really talked to him he talked to me back and he told me to start with my community Um, Shout out to Jordan Wilson, who made this possible. And um, I'm going to continue to keep it rolling. And we're going to continue to uplift the city as much as we can and stay in prayer.
1: Thank you. That's uh, always pray first. Uh, Scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom and all things will be added unto. So that's a great way to to go about life.
0: There you have it. um, Another episode of the Duan Marrero podcast. Stay tuned next Thursday. Always dropping content.